RadioNext.tv, we are live. Sorry for the technical difficulties, uh, but Harold at Bell, Dr. Mark Eckel are here live on Comenius Institute, Warp and Wolf Radio Show. Coming here live from you from Indianapolis, Indiana, Collaborate 317 Studios, and uh, just honored to be with you, with you again today. Dr. Mark, how are you, sir? Doing real good, thanks. I'm really, really pleased to be here today, uh, specifically because we're really focused on uh, the issue of Thanksgiving over this whole month, and uh, I just want to begin the program today by uh, giving a lot of thanks out to an awful lot of folks who have uh, benefited us throughout the last couple of years. Beginning of Comenius Institute, of course, we've got all kinds of great funders uh, behind the scenes uh, doing great work, and we're really grateful for all of the, the monies and support and help that they've given of course, now that we're at Collaborate 317, this is a whole new uh, situation. We're really grateful for not just the space, but also for the support system that this particular uh, group affords us, uh, something that we haven't had in the past and do now. We were actually just at a meeting this morning, Indianapolis, at uh, the Speakeasy, and uh, doing uh, – just meeting a whole bunch of other folks, really grateful for the opportunities to uh, meet and greet all kinds of different folks, especially those who have questions about what does Comenius do. So just to give a, just a bit of a background again, Comenius is named after John Amos Comenius. John Amos Comenius is one of those 17th century educational reformers. Public school folks still call him today to be the modern father of education. Comenius uh, believed lots of things, but among them was that you should find wisdom throughout the earth, and that was a really important idea to him. Warp and Woof, of course, gives us this concept of vertical and horizontal threads that make fabric, and of course, from a Christian vantage point, this is Colossians 1.17, by him, by Jesus, are all things held together. And H.B., I'm grateful for you, man. But I, and I'm grateful for you right back, my brother. We have, uh, uh, this last two years has been a very, very fruitful experience and in, in building the brotherhood and um you know i guess we can start there you know it, it starts with you know allowing the opportunity to uh let someone in that's right uh and then are you listening while you let someone in you know, those are important factors in, in building relationships and much of what you know it's interesting we were at the uh speakeasy this morning and most of the conversation was built around uh, we've got a lot of tools that mm. can uh, help you see what's going on, say what's going on. You can speak your mind, but nothing replaces the authentic, uh, yep. kinetic <laughs> feel That's and right. touch of, you know, uh, seeing someone or talking to someone face to face. So, And this um, actually happened just the other night uh, at uh, Thursday night, actually, at Q Commons event. Mike Roll, uh, who was here this last week, uh, was uh, giving us a background to this, of course, and then Thursday night we met all different kinds of folks. I must have about a dozen different cards I need to get back to folks about uh, having on this particular program. Actually, one of the folks that I met at that particular engagement, Q Commons, uh, is Maria Santiago, and Maria is going to be in here this morning uh, talking about I Am Chosen, the great nonprofit that uh, supports young women and helping them uh, get on their feet, uh, not just professionally, but also uh, financially. And so this is a great institution. We heard from them the other night, had a great video from them at Q Commons. Grateful for Mike's work around Indianapolis. He's a real connector and uniter. Uh, really grateful for that. And, of course, uh, folks like Jim Cotterill, uh, who have, were also there at the event and presented. But he's uh, in, in charge of something called Unite Indy. 
And so his emphasis, of course, is drawing all different kinds of folks together. I was sitting in his offices this past week uh, chatting with him about possibilities for the future, looking forward to more uh, collaborative elements. And then, of course, uh, this morning, uh, we just mentioned uh, being down at the speakeasy with all different kinds of folks there. Uh, but I was talking with one individual who said, you know what, you need to meet this pastor. And this particular pastor is going to be able to connect you to all these different people and that you and he have the same uh, beliefs about uniting black and white churches. Uh, this is a really huge issue for us. So many different directions to go with this, HB, but uh, all kinds of great people are in and around Indianapolis. So, so thankful. So since we're starting a season of thankfulness, uh, you start out, what are you, what are you most thankful for, Mark? Uh, uh, I guess we can go in different realms because, you know, you have Comenius, you have that family, you have your, your career, uh, you know, sure. kind of in those orders. What, yeah. what are you most thankful for? You know, most thankful for uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for his uh, death on the cross for my sin, the grace that was freely given. Uh, this is a fantastic uh, gift that's an eternal gift, not just simply a temporal one, uh, but one that, of course, unites us then to all different kinds of folks. I'm grateful for, uh, because of that, uh, the teaching that I get at my church, for instance. Uh, Scott Dean, my pastor up there at Crossroads Community Church, a great church, uh, grateful for that uh, particular group. But, of course, uh, the family ex- extends not just to uh, church family, but to your real family. Uh, you and I, I was just acquainting you or getting you back acquainted with something called Marco Polo this morning. We sent out this little message to Chelsea. <laughs> that should be a That's real hoot and holler. Funny. <laughs> so yeah, family is huge. And, uh, you know, honestly, HB, it's, it's, uh, one of those, those great things that you and I now have is actually to be brothers. Uh, and for our mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> I love that lady. I love her. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to talk. I know, um, uh, back to Maria Santiago, I yeah. uh, uh, had an opportunity to meet her about four years ago, um, when we were in the infant stages of Radio TV mm. and saw the great work that she was doing. Um, and that's one of the, I think one of the things I'm thankful for is to watch seeds be able to mature, yeah. um, over a period of time, especially when you don't, you know, when you don't faint. And I that's say right. that all the time, at least you not faint. Um, and you watch people in the, in the, the beginning stages and then when you see them two to three years later and they're still toiling at, at the passion and, yep. uh, and then five years later, you know, they're working together in the same building, mm-hmm. you know, so it's amazing just watching those things manifest, uh, especially in the world of trying to do good, do good, do good, as you always like to say, my brother. Yeah, that's it. And I, I emphasize that do good because that comes out of Titus chapter three. And of course, going back to what I just suggested a moment ago, uh, thankful for salvation that comes from Jesus, this, Titus 3, and our emphasis in Comenius about doing good is based on Titus chapter 2, uh, that we look forward to the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is He uh, that gives us the basis for living in life and the opportunity to do good, for, certainly from a Christian vantage point. So we're really grateful for that and for all of the great uh, Christian enterprises and individuals uh, that are all around us here in Indianapolis, from which we have to draw. I mean, we, uh, HB, I don't think we're ever going to run out of good folks to have on this radio show. Oh, I mean, and that's the beautiful thing about being in, yeah, at Collaborate 317, and I was trying to explain to someone the other day, when you're in the same um, atmosphere, so mm-hmm. to speak, same space, mm-hmm. and everybody's initiative is uh, about how can we fix a problem? How can yep. we go out and create a program? How can we um, uh, uh, pay attention to raise funds for uh, the Hope Center or whatever it might be? 
there's a collaborative thought mm-hmm. and there is a oneness in thought. So you can't run out of people like this. I mean, oh, this man. is an endless army of people who are, yeah. you know, in the vein of trying to do something for the positive, you know, nature of the environment they live in. And that's that's the beautiful thing about being in this space. It is that, too. And the concept of oneness makes me always rem- uh, memorable uh, line, of course, from my brother Brian Green out in the Washington, D.C. area. He and I have written some uh, essays together on the connection between black and white churches, black and white leaders, and the necessity of that. And one of the things that we emphasize in this particular program, uh, certainly not necessarily in word all the time, but I, I certainly hope everybody gets the point of all the pictures that we post, and that is our connection to uh, the African-American community. One of the things that really... Uh, kind of binds my heart, I think, and compels me by the Spirit of God is this concept that uh, we really need to, to be united. And the kinds of things that need to happen in the unification aspect is that uh, folks like me need to have others on this program uh, that don't look like me, that don't uh, have the same kind of cultural background that I have, so that our listeners can then become acquainted with that. In fact, we had had a great pastor, Dr. Posley, on this last week, uh, we talked with him. He and I are going to be getting together again in the future, uh, talking about some uh, positive uh, moves for, that we might be able to make in the church generally around Indianapolis. And this is a fantastic environment to do this in. Absolutely. Well, what we're going to do is take a short break, and we're going to come back. Uh, as we mentioned before, had a few technical difficulties, so we're going to limp along here with Cominius Institute. RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. We'll be- Radio Next TV. We are live from the core collaborate three one seven studios. Warp and Wolf Radio. Doctor Mark Echo Harold H B Bell. Getting our feet back up under us. We had a mm-hmm. couple of moments of technical difficulties here, and that happens in the world of internet radio. And being an old fifty nine year old <laughs> guy who's still learning technology, <laughs> but um, and, and thank you God for giving me enough intuitiveness to yeah. you know learn how to do this because exactly. I'm serious, uh, Mark. You know, speaking of that, you know. It's, it's a small thing, but a great thing. Uh, when I first started doing the Internet radio platform, I was pretty much at the mercy of a guy uh, who was my engineer. Okay. And so every time I went live, every time I came in here, I could play the songs and do what's necessary. But if it would freeze up like today or whatever, mm-hmm. I was just at the mercy. And thank God mm. for the wherewithal to say, okay, take some time out and learn a little bit about, uh, <laughs> you know, if you have a flat tire, how to fix your own tire. That's it, yeah. If you need to change the oil, change your own oil. Because uh, things are inevitable. They're going to happen in this, yeah. in this uh, realm of technology. And so thank you, God. Isn't that the truth? Man? Absolutely. I, this is uh, th- this makes me think of a story, uh, actually uh, a very famous old story. I thought I'd just read a few lines to everybody. Uh, Since we're in this month of November and we're emphasizing Thanksgiving and gratitude, uh, and as I'm reading this, uh, be mindful, uh, everybody, be mindful of what it is that you might be grateful for. And think about the thankfulness in your own heart about the things that uh, you have, uh, the people that are in your lives. Uh, Of course, the uh, emphasis uh, from our vantage point, from a Christian vantage point, of how we are grateful for that which has been given to us uh, through the grace and faith of Jesus. Uh, But here's this story. This is an old story, as I suggested. Androcles, a young Roman slave, sought escape in the wilderness from his unhappy life. Finding respite in a cave, he found himself face to face with a lion. The beast was anxious only for the removal of a thorn from his paw. Upon its extraction by Androcles, the lion submitted to the man caring for him. 
after being captured as a runaway sometime later, Androcles was sentenced to death by mauling within the Colosseum. However, the lion let loose upon Androcles was one and the same who had benefited from the slave's earlier kindness, and instead of attacking the defenseless man, the lion lay at his feet, whereupon both were released by an astounded Roman governor. Now, i got to tell you, this is from Aesop's Androcles and the Lion, a very famous old story, but it should prompt some reflection about our thankfulness and our thanksgiving. This is the month of thanksgiving. We're looking forward to that time. Uh, and the question then, of course, uh, is always for us, what should be our response to external graces? So to whom should we say thank you? And how does thankfulness change us? So I'm just going to pause there and say, uh, to whom do we say thank you? I've actually got a couple of uh, cards in my briefcase today that I'm going to give uh, be giving to Bruce and to Josh, uh, the heads of the profit and nonprofit here at Collaborate, and just to thank them for allowing us to actually be the very first nonprofit that was accepted into this Collaborate. This is a fantastic opportunity. Not only, as I said at the top of the show, does this give us space and a place, but it also gives us an, a tremendous opportunity to expand our horizons for Comenius, to do the three things, the three bridges that we are known for. First, uh, a bridge that we have from Christian students into uh, public university settings, specifically at IUPUI. Just met with some fantastic students this last week. If you're at all interested in following some of the things that we do there, uh, look at CominiusInstitute.com. But in particular, this last week I actually wrote a story about something that happened at the lunch table uh, between myself and a group of students, and it was fantastic. You go on my website, warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, and you can check out this story called Students. Don't miss it because I'm telling you, this the kinds of folks that are here at IUPUI who are Christian young people, really do have it together. They just need a, f a group like Cominius to come alongside them to encourage them. The second bridge that we have is, of course, what we're doing right now. Uh, that is through our radio show, and we're connecting communities. So in our case today, we're connecting I Am Chosen, that is Chosen Ministries, and Maria Santiago to not only our listening audience, but to a wider audience so that I Am Chosen Ministries uh, can have a greater uh, actual uh, exposure in the Indianapolis community. And then the third bridge that we offer is uh, actually introducing Christianity uh, to the culture around us, but even flipping that around, introducing culture to uh, Christians. And so I'm doing this all the time. I teach at my church, Crossroads Community Church, 10 o'clock on a Sunday mornings uh, through this particular semester, teaching an Old Testament overview. But actually today, I am on my way out the door this afternoon. Uh, I'm traveling over to Columbus, Ohio. And I'm going to be speaking to uh, a large group, thousands and thousands of Christian school leaders that are going to be at an event in Columbus, Ohio. And we're going to be discussing the issue of what does it mean to prepare the next generation of Christian school leaders. And so I'll be discussing that. I have a three-part uh, series that I'll be sharing with folks over there, uh, all kinds of people that I'll be meeting and reacquainting myself with uh, over the years. I've met so many different folks and the Christian school movement, but I'm really committed uh, to this issue of uh, helping Christians to understand the culture. And in this case, HB, it's going to be all about leadership. 
Absolutely, and that is going to be so important as we move forward uh, in this 21st century, Mark. Um, uh, we were just talking off air about uh, all the different elements in relationship building, um, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing that takes away uh, from that personal meeting, that personal yes. feeling, That's right. uh, being able to see someone's uh, uh, response to a question you might ask. That's right. It, it tells the story, and, and, and print just can't do it. Uh, texting just can't do it. And so at the end of the day, uh, these personal collaborations that we start, you know, continue to build are the ones that really uh, seal the deal, so to speak. That's right. And we talk about the difference, let's say, for instance, between terrestrial radio, which means that you have a radio station where you turn it on and you automatically have music or somebody talking at you. Uh, but the difference, of course, between terrestrial radio and this particular radio is that you can target an audience. You have all different kinds of folks. We have folks out in Denver because of my mom. Uh, out there, and she's telling all the, all the folks about what we do at Comenius. Uh, we have following, of course, in Ohio with our kids. Uh, Robin has shouts out to lots of different folks. Of course, Indianapolis is full of people that are actually listening to us right now simply because uh, we are targeting an audience. That's really huge. Well, let me say, give a big shout out to my Bangladeshi fans. I can tell you, I got some. <laughs> look, I got some fans in Bangladesh, man. I don't know about you, and I don't know where they came from, but I love you guys out there. <laughs> That's Continue great. to listen. Yeah, I, I, I mean seriously, but that is the beauty of this. You don't know where um, people mm-hmm. are picking up the messaging from, and I think if you stay consistent with what you're doing, yeah, uh, much like we, you know, do good, do good, do good. Yeah. That's, that's branding. You know, all that's community, right. all the time. That's branding. Um, and if you live up to it, people will come back. They and will continue you to have follow. to keep pushing it out. I mean, you and I are, are testimonies to that uh, idea that there's a continual push on our behalf of telling people about what we do, who we are, and where we're going in the future. And the more and more we talk about this, the more and more followers we have. And, of course, this is going to be the basis for uh, future relationships and folks coming, coming on the program. Well, what uh, Tom Joyner, a guy who has a syndicated radio show over into 129 different markets, markets um is retiring in a couple of years but at the end of the day his whole statement was it's time to get out now because what we know as terrestrial radio and how it exists uh will no longer be much like if you just really start looking inside what's going on with NFL and all the pro sports with uh the yahoos of the world and mm-hmm. the googles of the world now streaming live that's right uh, uh the the regular television market is not going to dominate and dictate yep. what people think how people buy what they buy because the new technology is is it's the it's happening that's right um, and everything so. is out there that you want to listen to read see whatever uh it's there for in the marketplace in the digital marketplace and I, and i hope that we take advantage before we go to break to yeah. do it much like you uh are setting out to do mark is try to figure out who are these other people that i mm-hmm. want to know and i want to know me yeah. um and and a great icebreaker is to go online and kind of check you can right. see real quick what other people are into and what they're doing and that's right and ways that they live so when you finally meet face to face it's not mm-hmm. like a shock or whatever right. i know if you meet me for the first time <laughs> you are a trip I man will, i will shock you wild but you know after you get over that part then hey this guy's not that bad not that bad not yeah. that bad at all yeah just before we go to break uh just letting you know as we come back uh from break i'm actually going to be reading a poem from wh auden so for my daughter chelsea in particular and my son tyler in particular these two poets uh, i'm going to be reading a poem from wh auden uh, that highlights the idea of thanksgiving uh, so we're going to take a quick 
short musical break, and we'll be, we will be back celebrating Thanksgiving, anticipating the arrival of the second hour of Maria Santiago Chosen Ministries. RadioNext.tv, we are live. Dr. Mark Echo, Herald H.B. Bell, every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Comenius Institute, Warp and Wolf Radio, and we are live from the brand-new RadioNext.tv, out at Collaborate 317, and we've been talking about Collaborate 317, and if you're listening right now and you are a nonprofit organization, I suggest you go to Collaborate317.com, uh, go in that right-hand column to Amplify Hope Program Register your nonprofit business so you can be a part of this great collaborate mm-hmm. as we are incubating and building nonprofits together um, with organizations that can assist from everything from grant writing to accounting to uh, the legal aspects, uh, organizational development, awareness, awareness, awareness yeah. <laughs> on Radio Next TV. There it is. So I uh, know, but we're building a, a, a army of uh, organizations who can go out and effectively change the communities through the programming and uh just mm-hmm. just uh, and let me be thankful again yeah, please. can i be thankful yeah this is it thank you god for letting me get done with this uh cicf grant uh mm. this was the first time that i had entered into uh writing a grant just by myself okay. i used to have a team you know my ex-wife was great in the uh narrative about how we were going to do the educational mm-hmm. portion i had people who would do the statistical portions and anybody out there who's written grants know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. it is really a check and balance on your intellect is what mm-hmm. it is uh what you said earlier does it match what we're asking down here yeah uh and, and you know that's once you get that that idea it gets kind of easy because all you had to do is go back and say, okay, I already said this. Mm-hmm. How do you want to hear this now? Yeah. And, and so, you know, it was my first time completing it, and I feel so good because yesterday was the deadline, and I already got a call back setting a meeting up for November the 17th to come visit co- co- Collaborate 317. Yeah. And that was uh, about a grace of God because, you know, I didn't know how well I did, and I still don't know. But at least mm-hmm. I got an email after it was submitted yeah. saying, can I meet with you yeah. in two weeks? So Look that's at, a blessing, brother. Yeah, man, that's big time blessing. This yeah. is huge. And just to kind of follow up on what you said about Collaborate 317, we were discussing this at uh, our meeting this morning with a bunch of leaders from around Indianapolis. And what I discovered was that uh, we have somebody that's written grants over and over and over again, actually, that actually works out here. One of the great benefits of being at this particular collaborative nonprofits, uh, this is a fantastic opportunity uh, to be here and be invested in this. In fact, just to give a shout out to Jedediah, who works here with us, uh, he did some uh, photocopying for me this morning at a very reduced rate uh, for what we have to do here. And uh, I'm looking forward to an event I have to speak at. And he was uh, so kind as to get this done for me real quick. And uh, that's just part of the wonder of, of being in a place where other folks can pitch in and help out. Uh, this is a fantastic opportunity. Well, I had mentioned before uh, going on break that I was actually going to read a poem. And uh, I know that this isn't something that uh, is normal for radio folks. You know, everything's got to be hypercharged and you got to have all kinds of bells and whistles. But this is Thanksgiving, man. We got to back off and back up and we need to give thanks, uh, to not only the one who has made us and given us his grace, uh, but also other people. So here's this uh, poem from W.H. Auden. He wrote a multi-section poem entitled A Thanksgiving for Habitat, which connected his physical home with his personal friends. Each room, each event, each resemblance is directly linked to anticipation of renewing human bonds, to see his friends again. 
And so here it is. Uh, this is just one section of W.H. Auden's poem and uh, the first line and continuing. Easy at first, the language of friendship is, as we soon discover, very difficult to speak well, a tongue with no cognates, no resemblance to the galopteus, that is gibberish, of nursery and bedroom, court rhyme or shepherd's prose, and unless often spoken, soon goes rusty. Distance and duties divide us, but absence will not seem an evil if it make our re-meeting a real occasion. Come when you can. Your room will be ready." Doggone, your room will be ready. I I like some scripture. Isn't that nice? I mean, think about this. When you have a person like a famous poet like W.H. Auden and his friends, what they must have felt like when they said or when they heard, hey, man, your room is ready. When you come by, you got a place to stay. I tell this to people all the time. I say, you know what? We've got a great guest room, got your own private bath, all this kind of stuff. So when you're in Indianapolis, make sure to let me know. Uh, give me a, a heads up night or two, you know, we'll put you up, we'll have dinner together, we'll uh, renew our friendship. And that really is a great blessing, this concept of friendship. And I think we often take it for granted. Uh, but uh, this is the, the con- constant consummate idea that I think uh, folks like HB and I have together. And that is that we share this friendship, this bond that frankly can't ever be broken. Absolutely. And I think, uh, Mark, that we have to start too with appreciating those small differences because yeah. as we we say this all the time uh we're so much more alike than we're unalike that's right uh but those things that we're unalike about like i learned last week about some of your your uh inhibited mm-hmm. feelings that's you know, right. about how you you just don't like to disagree that's right um you know you'll you'll go you'll do everything within your power and then, you know i thought that you know we were just alike you know like thinking alike <laughs> and I feel like, this cat's been putting up with me <laughs> For about two years now, probably just, you know, ooh, I can, you know, but no, I mean, in a serious manner, that is a beautiful gift to have. Um, uh, me on the other hand, being kind of a nomad and we were talking Mm -hmm. family and I love my family. And if they're listening, they know I love them. I just have not had the family dynamic that a lot of people have. I was, I was kind of raised in that gap area where one of the oldest grandkids, Way older than all of my cousins who would be your, you know, usually your first cousins become yeah. like your, your alternate family. Yeah. Uh, a little bit younger than all of my mom's siblings. So I was kind of stuck in a gap where my friends, Tracy mm. and Jerry, all my guys that you met that I grew up with became more of the family atmosphere for me. So I don't, I don't get the dynamic of, Every time it's a holiday, let's yeah. just get to, you know, it's cool, but it's like, it, it just doesn't resonate with me as well. But, sure. you know, it just has to, de- it just depends on how you were yeah. raised within the culture that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just small differences, but as far as loving Christ and yeah. smiling and just liking people and being mm-hmm. thankful and those things have so much more weight in being alike that, Okay, it we does. can get over this little stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we can we can work our way around this little stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, this is a a big issue. I think for most folks, they get hung up on the little stuff, and it's unfortunate that that's true. Uh, but I, I think about scripture. Scripture says that the little foxes spoil the vines. The Song of Solomon says, and the idea there is that these little problems just kind of get in the way of stuff. And if we allow them to get in the way of stuff, then they really mess up everything, mess up the whole vineyard. And now, now I have been with some people, and this is honest to God truth, uh, riding to work. Yeah. Somebody will cut in front of them. Oh. 
By the time you get halfway through the day, the writing to work has manifested itself into almost every single relationship mm. uh, that that person came across yeah. throughout the day. And, and you know, have you ever thought about uh, that that incident early this morning when we were on the phone that you got mad about? Mm. <laughs> well, mm. I haven't. Well, if you let that manifest itself, it'll sure. manifest itself more in the next disagreement or, or obstacle that you have to overcome. And before you know it, mm-hmm. you know, halfway through your day, you're just mad. You're, yeah. you're, you're just walking around upset because of something that you did not let go, that little fox that you did not let go. That's right. Um, and I think we waste a lot of time not just appreciating the glory of mm. of every day. Like I was telling someone the other day, man, sometimes my worst times are the best times mm. because in my working with God the way mm-hmm. <laughs> I roll, usually that's when you're getting toughened up to have a breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, no different than moving that collaborate. You, yeah. you witnessed about the last six months I was sure. over in that old building. Yeah. I couldn't have, I couldn't have made this happen. Yeah. Uh, other than getting up with a positive attitude, going to do this every day. That's right. Uh, in the right spirit. And then when time is ready, it's like, whoa, this is what, yeah. this is what you had. That's right. Perseverance. Absolutely. Yeah. Perseverance is something to be thankful for, quite frankly, to be able to uh, look at the next step in front of you. Uh, this is uh, something that everybody does on a regular basis, not just getting up in the morning. But sometimes, you know, you got to get around your own brain, your own mindset, your own uh, kerfluffle, you know, whatever problem well, it is. Dr. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, whatever mess you're in, it will mess with you. And so as much as I hate messes, and if my wife were here, she would say, oh, man, I could tell you a story or two about Mark. Let me at this microphone. Yeah. Yeah, that, but you know, to appreciate the mess and to appreciate what comes out of it on the other side, now that's a gift. So I guess I need to say, Lord, thank you for my hardships. Mm. Thank you for them trying times. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm serious because because yeah. those are the ones that make you better. I, uh, if you if you're a sports fan, and I tell everybody every, uh, when the conversation comes about who won the championship, mm-hmm. man, they got lucky on that play. Yeah, and I'm thinking every single champion. Has got lucky on that play where <laughs> uh, opportunity meeting preparation happens, and sure. they, they call it luck. But now we were ready uh, if that happened. Yeah, you know, isn't to take that the advantage Because I've seen a lot of teams that get the advantage and don't. Uh, right. Our Colts. Yeah. Yeah. Last week. Hey. Oh my word! I let's not even talk about that. <laughs> One of my, my thank uh, God that he <laughs> prays for them. <laughs> <laughs> we were. I was texting with my brother-in-law over the last uh, Denver Broncos game. And, uh, he was, we were kind of bemoaning the fact that, uh, the Broncos were not doing so well. And I, I told him that I'd already put my Colts flag at half mast. You know, I, I will die in blue and white. That's for sure. But there are times you go through really tough times. And the question then becomes, okay, is this going to make you stronger or just going to make you harder? Right. Going to make you harder to everybody else around you. That's no good. And those are options. Those are free will right. options. There and, it is. and, um, I think the grace and, and the glory is when you can go through your obstacles and your hardships and still try to uh, empower mm-hmm. and enhance someone else's life. Uh, uh, I, I'm a testimony to that. And I mm-hmm. take I, I don't know. Pride is a bad thing. But I, I take a lot of stake in saying no matter what my situation is, let's mm-hmm. figure out how we can make somebody else's day better. How Isn't that the truth? How can we enhance someone else, um, you know, and be empowered through that. So, sure. you know, that's, those are some qualities that we, we, I think we can, you know, as we go into this holiday season, as we start resonating and thinking about uh, what you have to be thankful for, don't think about just the things that you got yeah. and received. Think about 
the blessings you're able to give. Yeah, to turn as that well. back around. I'm I'm mindful of what Paul said in, in Ephesians four thirty two. The same grace that has been given to you, give to others. Wow, to be gracious to other people. There's a newsflash. Isn't that a wild concept? <laughs> you know, isn't, isn't that something that makes you want to think? That's no, right. But, but in, in, in all honesty, you know, uh, I use this slogan all the time. You know, giving is my reason for living. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once you do that, you know, if, if that becomes your reason for living, then, yeah. man, you got some stuff waiting on the other side. You yeah. got some stuff packed up that you can't even imagine <laughs> if, you, if you're true to that. That's right. You know, if you're true to that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take our last break in this first hour before Miss Maria Santiago comes in. Uh, I Am Chosen is the name of the organization. You do not want to miss uh, this young lady. She is full of fire and passion for what she's doing in the community. Stay tuned. Warping Wolf Radio on the cool RadioNext.tv. We are live from Collaborate 317, RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, Warping Wolf Radio, Comedians mm-hmm. Institute sponsored show uh, here for the last segment. And we have our great guest in studio, Miss Maria Santiago. I Am Chosen is the name of the organization. And you're talking about being thankful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God, for having sisters like this out here trying to help people in the community. Uh, and we're, we're closing out this first hour, Mark. And we've been kind of just, you know, really just shooting from the hip <laughs> talking about, no, talking yeah. about thank yous. I think if you try to script your thank yous, you'll probably leave mm-hmm. somebody out. Uh, you, you probably wouldn't remember some of those little thank yous, like thank you for the hardships. You know, That's you, right. You wouldn't write that down no. in, a, in a, in a pre-planned thank you note. No, uh, exactly. Well, this is, this reminds me of, uh, Louis C.K., you know, uh, comedian Louis C.K. Uh, he just is hilarious. Uh, and his comments, uh, just, uh, Make me smile and guffaw, I'll tell you. Uh, he said this, for instance, uh, this concept of technology is wasted on a generation of spoiled idiots. And then he goes on to say, uh, New York to L.A. takes five hours in a plane. It used to take 30 years, he says. By the time you get to California, you're with a whole new group of people. Then he talks about complaints about air travel. And he says, you hear people say in a whiny voice, I had to wait 20 minutes to board the plane. And his response is, oh, really? You're sitting in a chair in the sky. You are flying through the air. Is your cell phone too slow? It's going to space. Can you give it a second? <laughs> his stuff is just hilarious. I love it. But, but it's real. Yeah, but it, it comes all the way back to that baseline issue, and that is, are we thankful? And are we thankful for the little things? Uh the fact that somehow uh, we have to wait a minute. Wait a minute. My word, some people have to walk two hours to get water for their day. And they spend all day then preparing a meal. Who in the United States of America who is in the kind of situation that we're in, in a very wealthy kind of place, thinks that they have to spend all day preparing for a meal? I mean, come on. Seriously? You know, it, it, what's ironic is we, we're getting ready to go back to that cultural thing and then, uh, in the, in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that we do when we greet one another, uh, the older brothers is, uh, hey man, good to see you. And the next breath is, better to be seen than viewed. <laughs> you know, right. so, so like every time you get a chance to greet, mm-hmm. meet and say hello, be thankful because it's better to be seen than viewed because there are so many people every day that are, you know, you're viewing them and that's the last time that, that right. you know, you'll ever encounter that per- person here on earth. And a lot of times, just as I mentioned before, 
I feel it's my obligation mm. when I come in and out of grocery stores to, you know, hold a door for a sister sure. and, and just say hello yeah. or, or just say hello, what's happening to my brother, mm-hmm. whatever, because those are the miracle moments. Those are, you know, yeah. and, and Scripture talks heavily about, you know, greeting those angels that you don't know. Right. Um, so I think that we miss out a lot of times when we just uh, say, I'm just going to mind my business, stay to myself or whatever, instead of engaging and being thankful for coming across another human being, so yeah. to speak. So those right. are those are small miracles, but huge miracles. But huge nonetheless. I think about every day when I get up, when I wake up, literally the moment I wake up, I think to myself, you know what? I now have another day to give. I don't think to myself, I have another day to live. I think to myself, I have another day to give to other people. And I think if we maybe woke up with that kind of mindset where we are considerate of giving, remember that the whole point behind thanksgiving is that we are giving and we are thankful for those who have given to us. And one of the great uh, pillars of all of life is gratitude, to be thankful. When you think about thankfulness, think about you are responding to somebody outside of yourself. Uh, HB and I agree on the baseline idea of you have to have perseverance and discipline. This comes from within you. Absolutely. At the same time, we recognize that the kinds of things that are given to us that we can't get by ourselves, uh, we've been talking about it this whole hour, Uh, This kind of thing, we are grateful to people and specifically to the one who has made us outside of ourselves. This is what giving is all about. And let me let me put giving with a warning out there. Okay. No, I'm dead serious because a lot of times people give with the hopes of I gave. Oh, boy. And if you're not a cheerful giver and and the pure spirit of uh, this person needs something, let me give Mm -hmm. without what am I getting back? Without, uh, I know God's gonna recognize me for giving. Mm-hmm. God don't care about you. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you know right now. The God I know, the God I serve, he, he's so magnificent that what you think that you can do don't impress him at all. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. Uh, so if you're not cheerful in the giving, just mm-hmm. keep it. Mm. Keep it. Don't don't mm. give with a bounty on somebody's head or in somebody's heart because you did something that quote unquote was supposed to be a nice gesture. That's that's worse than being without. Wow, man, we could start preaching on up in here. This is a, this famous line about being a cheerful giver actually comes out of Second Corinthians chapter eight and this idea that if you're not giving with a proper spirit, like HP says, man, don't even give at all. I'm mindful of what uh, the psalmist says. Well, God, through the psalmist in, in Psalm 50, in Psalm 50, it says, uh, I do not need your sacrifices. All you people who are just trying to uh, sign your name on the dotted line, cross your T's and dot your I's, and you're so consumed by your, your obedience, but you don't sacrifice, you don't love, you don't give. He said, I have the cattle on a thousand hills, man. You don't need to be sacrificing to me. You need to be obedient And the obedience starts with taking care of other people. Giving, Thanksgiving, that's what we're all about, the month of November. This particular radio show, Warp and Roof Radio, uh, we are committed to this uh, month of giving and highlighting those who are giving to our community. Well, speaking of giving, we're going to take one musical break, and then we're going to give the gift of giving with Maria Santiago. I Am Chosen is in the house. We'll be right back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv. You are listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Wolf Radio. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon. And our uh, task at this particular radio show is to acquaint folks 
uh, between communities, really, to uh, help people around Indianapolis get to know each other. And specifically, we're interested in having uh, Christians who are doing good in the community, as we suggested in our first hour, uh, that basis for Titus 3, do good, do good, do good, is Titus 2. That is looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are grateful to be on air today, uh, but also to have in studio with us Maria Santiago from Chosen Ministries. And uh, we've asked her to come on because we want to give our gratitude uh, for her as well as for her good work in Indianapolis. Uh, Maria, thanks for being with us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, your church, and your work in Indianapolis. Well, thank you for having me. Um, again, my name is Maria Santiago. I am, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a wife of 17 years. I'm a mother to uh, two boys, ages 11 and 13. And our family attends a multicultural church called Diversity Church on the south central side of Indy. Uh, one interesting fact about me is I'm the first generation African American. Um, my parents are from Mozambique, Africa, and so I'm the first person in my family to be born here. Wow, that's pretty impressive stuff. So, a U.S. citizen because of birth. That's right. That's impressive stuff. Yeah, Mozambique. Uh, and do your parents, do they still, are they living? And Yes, they yeah. uh, are living and they still live in Mozambique with most of the rest of my family. Okay. And so that obviously begs the question, uh, do you get to see them in Mozambique at all? Do you travel over there to see them? I have spent most of my resources helping people there and bringing people here. So the, the answer to that is no, I don't get okay. to travel there a lot. Okay. Uh, just in the sense of family, uh, because this is a month of gratitude and we're giving thanksgiving for all of these kinds of things, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about that issue of thanksgiving as it relates to what you are doing in Indianapolis. Tell us a little bit about this Chosen Ministries, and uh, you just suggested that you're giving a lot of your resources to help people. Tell us about that. What does that mean? Well, Chosen really started as part of my story. Um, you know, I explained that uh, I'm my family's from Mozambique, but what I didn't tell you is that uh, one of the reasons I started Chosen is because of my own personal story. So my parents could not financially support us um, when we moved back to Mozambique, and if it weren't for another family of a member of mine, my uncle, I wouldn't mm. be standing here today with you. Wow. Uh, he actually adopted me, wow. and so that I could finish my education, and so. Mm. You know, years later, I felt like the Lord was calling me to start an organization to help people, mm. uh, just like I was stuck in a cycle of multi-generational poverty. Mm. So Chosen exists as a next step initiative to help single moms um, between the ages of 16 and about 35 mm. uh, to overcome poverty. Mm. Um, we do this through career coaching, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, life skills, and financial literacy. Mm, this is a fantastic ministry. And it, it interests me, you know, here you have this uh, this great opportunity to help people, and it all came out of your own personal experience. So I wonder sometimes about our the kind of work that we do. You know, you have a nonprofit, we have a nonprofit. The idea, where, does the, where do these ideas come from? Do, do you think that uh, this basis for doing good or reaching out to others as Christians is based on our own personal experiences? Well, I think God uses the people that are uh, wounded the most and maybe a little bit weak. And so mm. from that weakness and knowing God's sovereignty, mm. I think we feel a sense of obligation to, to give back. Mm. 
mm. um, and to just uh, worship the Lord with mm. the gifts and talents that he's given us. Mm. So for me, Chosen is, is much more beyond uh, my career as the CEO. It's more of, uh, it's worship. Yes. Wow. Yo, it's more of, uh, it's worship. Yes. Wow. Yo, it's more of, uh, it's worship. Yes. Wow. Yo, it's more of, uh, it's worship. Yes. Wow. Yo, it's more of, uh, it's worship. Yes. Wow. Yo, it's more of, uh, it's worship. Yes. Wow. Yo, it's more of, uh, it's worship. Yeah. Isn't that great? I I wish there were more people with your attitude where you end your sentence by saying, yes, what I do is worship. Uh, (laughs) So often, uh, you know, we talk about worship as just something that takes place, you know, an hour or two during the week. Uh, But everything is worship, the total response of the total person to our Lord Jesus. And this really is uh, is a fantastic uh, kind of connection, obviously, to the issue of Thanksgiving. But I wanted you to I wanted to come back to something you just mentioned a moment ago. And that is that God uses the weakest, the ones who have been through the hurt. Okay. So talk about that a little bit. How does, how do you see that working out maybe in your own personal life or maybe specifically in the lives of some of the people that you've actually been helping? Um, how do you see that God using people who have been hurt the most to help the most? Well, I think that when you look at somebody who's struggling to feed her children, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you can relate in some way, shape or form. I think there's a trust factor that is, is established there Mm -hmm. and chosen as a tool to preach the gospel. So, um, being able to tangibly meet the needs of people and elevate them to Mm -hmm. a better place, um, is, is an example of, you know, Christ's love for us. And Mm -hmm. I think that in order to even have that conversation about the Lord, or to have in-depth uh, spiritual conversations or emotional discussions, um, there has to be a trust factor mm. from one person who has been wounded and saved by the Lord to another. Wow. Trust. Now, there is a deep well to explore. This concept of actually being uh, somebody that's reliable, uh, somebody that's verifiable, that we can uh, put our stake in, uh, that we can stand on, this issue of having a firm foundation. Uh, we just got done yesterday with a 500th celebration of the Reformation, and I'm always mindful when I think about foundations. I always think about Martin Luther's famous hymn, you know, how firm a foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this foundation issue and how it is that a group like Chosen uh, will give a foundation or a footing for those who are coming out of your ministry. Tell it, maybe tell us a story or two about folks that have uh, actually been encouraged through this ministry. Yeah, one person that comes to mind is a, a single mom of three. We met her. Um, she, she was just broken when we met her. Um, she was trying to parent by herself. Her uh, boyfriend wasn't in the picture, and she was just struggling to make ends meet, put food on the table. Uh, she had a high school diploma, but really had no formal um, further education beyond that. And so um, her biggest need was just financial um, literacy and being able to make more money. And so we were able to send her to a vocational program, uh, gave her a scholarship, uh, mentored her, um, just showed her how to govern her finances well so that um, once she had that job, she could really keep keep the money and save the money and, and go on to do better things. And um, she is absolutely thriving. Uh, she's doing well parenting. Uh, she is in church now. She's um, providing for her family, and she's since been promoted. Mm. And so I think she really represents hope for a lot of our other clients mm. um, because she can now look at them and say, hey, if I can do this, you can do this too. 
Wow. That's fantastic. What a great story that is to kind of get us down the road to help us to understand a little bit better about chosen ministries. But it, it makes me think, and I have to be straight up honest with you about this, it makes me think that a lot of folks who see somebody who's maybe, uh, they might refer to them as down and out, mm-hmm. um, they see somebody like this and they say to themselves, well, you know, I did this or I had that and why can't you do the same same kind of thing? Uh, do you see that uh, kind of attitude? And what is the response to that kind of attitude, do you think, of those who uh, would say, you know, why don't you just go out and get a job? Uh, can you can you help us to understand what it is that, that folks who are in need of what the ministry that you provide, uh, what is it that, that they need to help them uh, over this very difficult hurdle? Sure. Um, I think that's, that's a loaded question in it and of is, itself. Yes. Um, <laughs> First of all, I want to say that I wholeheartedly believe that poverty starts in the mind. Mm. And so there's a large percentage of people who um, are just not hungry for change. And so that may be the down and out that you're Mm. referring to. But then there is a group of people that are really desperate for change, but Mm -hmm. um, they just don't have the resources, um, the network, Mm. um, or the know-how to get to the next level. And so I think it's really about meeting somebody where they're at and elevating them to where they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, a good case in point is my very first client was a single mom of two. She was 21 years old. She went to um, a suburban church who constantly helped her. At Christmas, they would give her clothing and food. Um, if somebody had uh, an extra piece of furniture, they would give it to her. And then they expected her to change Mm. out of their giving, Mm. but really weren't giving her the tools to succeed. And so to answer your question about what people need is they need tools for success. Mm. And I think that's what Chosen does really well is giving people the tools they need to success. Mm. Um, You know, what's your resume look like? What is your overall disposition? Are you dressing for success? Mm. Um, Do you understand the rules to a middle-class society if you've only been in an impoverished situation? That's right. And so kind of unlocking the door to some of those um, socioeconomic gaps um, that people don't understand is really important, and Mm. that's something that we we try to do every day. And if you've not been there, if you've not been in the gap, if you've not – uh, been on on welfare, for instance. I remember uh, my first six years of teaching. We were so poor. We were on welfare. People were bringing us food in boxes. I mean, stuff like this. Uh, living in an impoverished area and that sense of things. Uh, but if you haven't been there and you don't feel that with other people, then you're not really kind of attuned to where they're coming from, or at least how they uh, they generally respond to those kinds of issues. Let's stick with the concept, though, of tools. I talk about this with my students all the time and emphasize to them my job isn't to teach you what to think, though, obviously, all the time we're teaching people what, but how to think. So let's talk a little bit about this concept of what does Chosen do in terms of helping the how. How do people uh, come away from uh, Chosen with what they do, and how is it that you make that possible for them? I think that there's a lot of work that goes into that. I mean, studies show that in order to get somebody out of a cycle of poverty, this is a two to five year initiative. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there's some daily work that happens there. Um, 
we utilize technology quite a bit to get the message across on the how. Um, One of the things that we do is we produce our own learning videos. Um, And so we actually partner with people in the community Mm -hmm. uh, that are professionals that can speak to the content that we write, and we put it in the video format. And so being able uh, to take a look at that video and see, okay, how do I present myself? Mm. Um, you know, how do I search for a job? What do I do when I get it? How do I keep it? How do I manage my money? All of those things address the how mm-hmm. so that people can actually go and implement the things that they've learned. Um, the other thing on the how is uh, we pair our clients up with mentors so that they can learn the how just um, by those mentor- mentors mod- modeling that example. Mm. And this is marvelous stuff. For those of you who are just joining us, uh, you are listening to Marita Santiago, and she is uh, one of the found. Well, she is the founder of Chosen Ministries, but uh, her the CEO there as well, uh, giving us some background. And this wonderful uh, group that here in Indianapolis doing good for young women who are uh, parents who are trying to help uh, their young people. Uh, giving them a nice a step up, giving them some tools uh, from which to use uh, to make that next step into life. When we come back after our radio break, uh, we're going to be discussing this more with Maria Santiago, but uh, we want to step into the issue of how do churches, how should churches participate in this? What is the responsibility of the church at large, Christians in particular? You're listening to Radio TV at the Cool Groove site, Warp and Woof Radio. We will be right back. You are listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. We are on Radio TV at the Cool Groove site at our new studios at Collaborate 317. Uh, If you are interested at all in uh, coming to check us out, uh, I will be happy to give you a tour. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are all over the place. Uh, Warpandwoof.org is my personal website where I uh, write an essay every single week. Cominiusinstitute.com is where you can find all of the great things that uh, Cominius is doing. As I said, suggested before, we cross three bridges. One of them is to help young Christians uh, coming out of high school into a public university setting at IUPUI. The next is to connect communities around Indianapolis uh, with a special em- emphasis uh, on the unity between black and white churches. And then our third bridge is to help Christians understand the culture in which they find themselves. And, of course, uh, right now we're talking about that very issue, the issue of culture and how do we deal with the issues uh, that confront us as it relates to things like generational poverty, uh, the kinds of uh, home lives that we grew up in, uh, the difficulties that we have faced in our own personal experiences. And, you know, just uh, before I ask Maria to come back on and talk about this, I I just want to be thankful again to my mom uh, for uh, all of the great upbringing that she has given to us, my sister and I, a uh, very difficult situation and circumstances. If you were listening to uh, Renita Hill's uh, program this last week, we talked about uh, the issue of abuse and the awfulness of that, uh, living through those kinds of issues. At the same time, uh, we also have found ourselves on the other side of that, gratefully. And so uh, thanks again to my mom for the wonder uh, of the kind of person that she is. Uh, and gratitude for all of the works that she has uh, made possible for us to actually even be here still. Uh, how about you, uh, Maria? How, what kind of uh, thankfulness would anybody in, in your own memory, your own experience comes to mind as it relates to this? Sure. I actually have a long, long list of people <laughs> to be thankful for. Um, 
you know, I, I share my story quite a bit, so I don't want to discount being thankful to my parents because um, obviously they shaped and made uh, me who I am and, and have done so much for me and, and did the best that they could. Mm. Um, but I'm also very grateful for my uncle believing in me and, and taking a chance to bring me back mm. from Mozambique so that I could further my education and, and do something with my life. Um, and he's just, uh, my parents and, and my uncle are the first in a, a long line of people um, mm. that I'm very, very thankful to. Mm. The kinds of opportunities that we have, we talked about this in the first hour, HB and I did, about um, gratitude and discipline. Discipline is something that uh, comes from within us. Gratitude is something uh, where we acknowledge somebody or something outside of us. And, of course, as Christians, we are grateful for uh, the one who has made us and saved us. Uh, but at the same time, we uh, are in desperate need of all kinds of community and support. And so we wanted to come back to this issue, the, the question that uh, we kind of left folks with here in the, in the first segment as we were discussing, the question about the church. How should the church uh, at large and how should Christians in particular uh, participate in uh, your nonprofit, in my nonprofit, in any kind of giving. Uh, talk to us generally and then maybe even specifically about uh, your own experiences with the church and Christians in particular. Well, I think every one of us needs to give out of a grateful heart, um, be generous, and, and treat people like we would treat our own children. Um, think of them that way because I, I think if you look at somebody like you do your own children, um, your heart goes out to them and and you're much more susceptible to, to just generously giving out of the abundance um, of what God's given you. As far as the church goes, I think the church does a great job at um, meeting the immediate needs of the people. But I think we need to move beyond um, being reactive and start being a little bit more proactive uh, in the way that we meet the needs of others. When you say proactive, uh, why don't you give us an example or two of what you mean by that? What would be an example of being proactive for chosen ministries? Yeah, I think it's really partnering with an organization like ours that is a next step initiative for people, but really catching them at an early age mm. um, before they make too many decisions that will be detrimental to their future. And so that could be as simple as just being a friend to somebody that doesn't look like you, mm -hmm. that's much younger than you, mm -hmm. that doesn't have that parental guidance or a good good network, and really just pouring into their lives. And mm -hmm. and by pouring into their lives, I don't mean you know buying groceries and and meeting the financial needs. I mean just being a brother or a sister in Christ or that mm -hmm. spiritual mother or father to them by being their friend. Mm -hmm. Wow, friendship goes a long way, doesn't it, to consistently contribute to somebody else's life. We talk about uh, this word sustainability all the time when it comes to uh, profits or nonprofits. It doesn't really matter in the business world, generally speaking. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what it is that Chosen Ministries uh, needs for its own sustainability. What is it that uh, could be beneficial for Chosen Ministries? And I'm coming back now to kind of connect us to the church and to Christians what is it that uh, Chosen Ministries could be benefited by uh, with those uh, in the church? Sure. Uh, Chosen not only thrives based on uh, grants from private foundations, but we are really heavily supported by uh, small business owners. Mm -hmm. So corporate sponsors is a really big thing for us. We have all kinds of 
Christian and non-Christian organizations in Indianapolis mm-hmm. and beyond coming alongside us and, and supporting us um, in a manner that helps us keep moving forward on a daily basis. Um, so that that's a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like to engage more with the church, not just from a funding standpoint, but because when we help a client, one of the biggest things that um, is sustainable for that client is having a good church home mm-hmm. where they can build relationships that are healthy yes. and, and sustain the work that we've started with them. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they're going to succeed long term if they don't have the right network. Yes. And what better network to be found than from the church? Mm. Isn't it funny how you know our culture generally, and I'm speaking now of the non-Christian, unbelieving culture, uh, generally speaking, does not give much credence to, to that which is spiritual. They may speak about it generally uh, or generically, uh, but they don't really get into the, the specifics of this. So let's pick up on that theme that you just mentioned and the importance of having a very good relationship with an organization, with a structure, with a church in particular, that's going to help uh, the folks that you are helping in the long term. Tell us about what that might mean for them. Yeah, um, well, I'll give you a tangible example. Uh, we have a we had a client who went through our program, did very very well. Um, literally went from homelessness, if you will. She was kind of couch surfing mm. at different friends' homes to having a full time, very sustainable wage at a mm. good uh, company, and it was not sustainable mm. because all she had was really me. Oh. At the time, Chosen was very new. Okay. I didn't have a lot of the amazing volunteers I have now, and I was her mentor. Mm. And because she was not getting engaged in a church home and did not have a strong network, there were too many people on the other side that mm. were pulling for her attention in a negative manner. Mm. And so because she just didn't have a good balance, she didn't have the courage or the strength to say to the people that have loved her all her life, I need to set some boundaries here. Mm. And in order to continue doing the good work I'm doing, um, I, ne- I need to move beyond what I've known. Mm. And so it was tough for her, and, and, and she did not succeed. And, and the mm. little success that she had in the beginning was not sustainable mm. because she didn't have that church support and she didn't have that network of people encouraging her. Wow. That is a great story and a sad story at the same time. It's great in the sense that it helps us to understand better what you're talking about concerning a relational sustainability. Maybe we should coin that phrase, right? Relational sustainability and the necessity of that. Uh, But, of course, then, you know, maybe this leads us to a discussion on this point that that I'm thinking about, and that is, you know, our culture uh, is negative. You you suggested this in some of the relationship this, this young woman might have had. Uh, that we're not positive in in her respect, uh, for, in her respect. Uh, but let's talk now about the church. You know, generally we hear Christians sometimes. You know, they're upset about this. They get they get on social media and they tweet about whatever. They're upset with some political, economic, social pick a topic. It doesn't really matter. And their focus is on an institution or a person or a thing that's bad. But what you're doing. And what Chosen Ministries does and so many of the nonprofits do is that you focus on the good that you can do in the life of the individual. So let's pursue that a little bit and ask the next question, which is how is it that we can go about uh, doing good and kind of just 
we know that the bad is there. We understand it. We see it. We probably just shake our heads one way or the other about it. Uh, but how do we get past that to the doing good part, and how do we encourage that in other people? Yeah, I think you just have to, first of all, really just seek the Lord mm-hmm. <laughs> the second you get out of bed and ask him what, what he wants mm-hmm. you to do and how he wants you to speak and how he wants you to think about the world mm-hmm. in general and go from there. Okay. I think if you're mentoring somebody and you have a relationship with somebody who's in a, a different socioeconomic status as you, try not to view them as less than mm-hmm. um, because it shows. It mm-hmm. shows horribly. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that you treat that person um, as an equal and then not look at their life in terms of what's bad, um, but re- really, really seriously focus on the gifts and the talents that God's given them mm. and, and pull that out of them. Mm. And I think that, I mean, that's, that's a start. Yeah. Wow, that's a great start. And when we stop to think about starting your day in prayer and, and uh, asking the Lord how is it we should, we should respond to whatever it is that's right in front of us, uh, that's a huge issue. You had mentioned a moment ago that you have lots of support uh, from the community, whether it be in the believing community or the non-believing community. How do those who are not necessarily professing institutions they might have Christians in the institutions, but they're not necessarily professing institutions. How do they uh, navigate, if you will, uh, engaging in a nonprofit like yours, which is pretty clearly a Christian nonprofit? How do you go about that relationship? Yeah, for us, I, I would say it's pretty easy to engage with us. Um, you know, we are a faith-based Christian nonprofit, but. Um, one of the things I always tell people is we're not going to like thump people over the head with the Bible. Um, we're just a tool to preach the gospel. So, Mm. um, we meet needs first, preach second. So it's very easy for the business community community to engage with us. Mm. And we have a lot of groups, um, that are not professing Christians that do partner with us because we, we really try to make it easy to do that. Mm. Um, you know, things like internships or, um, just, um, business-like mentoring is a way that a group can come alongside us. Um, We do have a couple of major events each year, uh, and so the business community tends to engage with us on that. Mm. So we do try to make it uh, fairly easy. Uh, Also, we have professionals in the community that are the stars of our learning videos. So that also is a way to engage and make an impact with our clients. Wow. That's really great stuff. This this concept of uniting people that are already in the community that folks know. So when they see the video, then they automatically connect with Indianapolis, right. the folks that are here and that kind of thing. Right. So uh, going back to this, uh, the question of those who might not necessarily um, connect with you at a Christian level, talk about what it is that Chosen Ministries is doing that's good for the business community in the sense of uh, the clients coming out of your organization. Mm -hmm. Talk about the connection of your clients to the community at large, specifically the business community. Yeah, so Chosen Ministries is still trying to seek new uh, uh, employer partners, if you will, where when our clients graduate from our program, Mm -hmm. they could potentially get a position in one of uh, our employer partners firms. The other big uh, thing is that social, we have a social enterprise. And if you don't know what a social enterprise is, our social enterprise is called Virtually Chosen. And we provide 
business services for um, small businesses. So think about anything that you could outsource administratively. Um, we handle projects like mass mailing or um, transcriptions or um, data entry projects. And then we also do resume writing services for mm. professionals in the community. So utilizing our social enterprise for something that your business needs is a great way to engage with Chosen. 100% of the revenue from the social enterprise goes back into serving mm. single parents through Chosen Ministries. Mm. So that's a unique way that the business community can engage as well. Mm. That's a really fantastic uh, connection for all of us here in Indianapolis to know that there is that kind of ministry that's available and the idea that uh, they are actually, Chosen Ministries is actually looking for uh, those employers who would like to employ uh, the clients that come out of Chosen uh, for future uh, reference. I, this is a huge thing. So those of you who are listening, those of you who catch us on the podcast on the backside of this, uh, make sure that you check out the opportunities that you might have uh, to look for your future employees that are coming out of Chosen Ministries uh, themselves. So Talk about some of the baseline principles that Chosen Ministries contributes, not just to the clients, but then, of course, the clients will take into these businesses. What can the businesses or other just people in the community expect to see out of your clients? I think you're going to expect to see the art of professionalism. That's mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that we try to hit on with our clients is you need to be as professional as you possibly can be. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps you didn't get that job um, not because you are a minority or you're a woman. Maybe it's really about your disposition. Mm. And so I think you can expect to see people that are really trying to um, act as professionals would. Uh, we, we focus on so many things such as um, soft skills um, that mm. will really help people not only get the job but keep the job. Mm. So that's, that's one of many things that you can expect to see. Um, a big issue with our demographic is a barrier such as childcare or transportation. Mm. Um, I don't think you're going to see that issue with our clients because one of the things that Chosen Ministries is big about is barrier busters. Uh. Um, and so we will help fund childcare and transportation for a short time until that client has the money to pay for that themselves. Mm. Man, that's great. You know, just this I idea of uh, giving a hand up. Uh, to, to folks who need it. This is a huge uh, connection point. Of course, whenever I think about a hand up instead of a hand out, I'm always thinking about uh, the gleaning principle coming out of Leviticus 19 that says, you know, you're supposed to leave the edges of your field and anything that falls in the ground to those who would come in after the poor that would uh, pick up those things. I want to come back to something that uh, is uh, something you just mentioned about soft skills. Frankly, this is unless you're reading Harvard Business Review, you're probably not picking up on the necessity of soft skills. So, for instance, I was with somebody in the last couple of days, and uh, their reference to me at the end of the conversation was that I am an intensive listener. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. I'm intensive. So when you're speaking to me, I look you in the eye. You know, I hold your eye contact. That's really important to people. Uh, that's a soft skill. You wouldn't go out and say, you know, I, I go to a factory and say, well, I'm a really good listener. How can I help you in your right, right. <laughs> on the assembly line? They'd kind of probably boot you out of the office. Anyway, when you're talking about being professional, though, you're talking about the necessity of these soft skills. Can you give us another example or two of what that actually is, a soft skill? I think it's basic things that you and I wake up every day doing without mm -hmm. even thinking about. So showing up to work on time. 
Uh, if we were stuck in traffic, we would call our potential employer and say, hey, I'm stuck in traffic, but I'll make these hours up versus not calling at all. Yeah. Uh, if I don't have child care, um, you know, again, making that phone call and communicating properly mm. or having the ability to troubleshoot and problem solve mm. first before just calling the whole thing off. Those are some basic, basic things. Um, written communication, oral communication, dressing properly. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times people in poverty wake up in a fighting stance because their entire life they've had to fight. Yeah. And so when there is a conflict at the workplace, knowing how to resolve that conflict in a professional manner, manner mm. is really important um, and, and could be added to that list of soft skills that they need to learn. Wow, that sounds like a hard skill for soft skills. Right. <laughs> really, <laughs> when you're waking up with a fighting attitude, uh, you're mad at the world for whatever reason that might be. And quite frankly, some folks have a real good reason to be mad at the world for whatever reason that might be. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This this issue of chosen uh, of soft skills is really an important one. One that empowers people uh, to shift in their attitudes and their mindset. Let's talk about this uh, concept of attitude and mindset and professionalism. How do you see those things linking up? The ch how do you shift and change somebody's attitudes and mindset in your ministry? I think from the beginning, we are really trying to choose people that feel like they're chosen to do oh. more. Um, I think that's the word chosen. Okay. Uh, and I am chosen. Okay. Um, we're really specifically targeting people that are hungry for change. Okay. Let me interrupt you before you sure. go on and say, so that means that there are some people that don't have that attitude. Absolutely. I would, I would honestly feel like the majority don't have that attitude and it's something that cannot be taught. Oh boy. So how do people get that attitude? I mean, it, it we're talking, if you, you're suggesting most people don't have it, then how do they get it if they need it? How, how does that work for us just as human beings? Yeah, I think on the base level, I think it's about uh, being the church and modeling things and loving people because if they can see the love of Christ in you, mm. then they're more likely to open up to you. And if you can teach somebody things by modeling, then I think that's where it starts. Wow. That's huge. This is, uh, we're talking with Maria Santiago from Chosen Ministries, and we're discussing the importance of what they do in their ministry in terms of helping their clients uh, understand something differently than they might have been understanding it before in their uh, lives. And that is, how do you approach employers? How do you uh, participate in the workplace in a positive way? Uh, how do those kinds of skills that are soft skills kind of come into the workplace? That's really a, a powerful uh, question, honestly, for all of us. Uh, what kind of attitude or mindset uh, do we actually bring to the table when it comes to our jobs uh, every single day? Well, let's take this to a different level and ask a different kind of question and address uh, the concerns that uh, folks might have that are, let's say, for instance, within the family unit. Maybe they've known your clients in the past. They've... Uh, you know, they've had some kind of contact, maybe even negative contact. And then here you see these clients making the shift, making the change, uh, having the opportunities that maybe the past family units, however that family might be described, doesn't have. Uh, it, do you ever see any kind of uh, difficulty with past family relationships and how that then impacts your clients within the Chosen Ministries uh, group? All the time. 
it's actually the biggest barrier to our client success is their own family members. Um, and it, it's tough because on one hand, you understand the, the mother that did the best that she could and sees her child trying to take a different path and it's almost offensive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, managing those reactions um, and expectations mm-hmm. of the family member is really difficult. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about boundaries and um, just setting those boundaries in love because it's the only way for most of our clients to succeed mm. because their family is, is sometimes their biggest barrier. Not all the time, but a lot. Wow. It's a sad thing to hear that, but, of course, I guess if you've grown up in a family that's, uh, you know, that's been abusive or um, you, you haven't really been seen to have much value, uh, worth, or dignity in your life, and your parents or your uh, whoever the, that might be in your immediate uh, connections to family uh, makes you feel, you know, low in some whatever case that might be. Well, when they see you moving in a different direction, there's a bit of jealousy going on there, a bit right. of envy. Right. Yeah. We had a our youngest client was uh, 16. She had a child at age 14 when we started working with her. Uh, she was, of course, still in high school, and her mother did everything she could to sabotage her progress. Eventually, Mom walked out on her, and we um, felt the Holy Spirit leading us to find some foster parents. Wow. Without uh, going into great detail, sure. she is absolutely thriving. Uh, um, she lives with a couple uh, on the north side of Indianapolis, and uh, was able to make the honor roll for the first time. Her four-year-old son is doing remarkably well. Mm-hmm. They have adjusted. Uh, but I think there's one important note to make is that the family who has become her new parents has also grown and adjusted mm-hmm. and learned from this process mm-hmm. too. And so I think you know, while she loves her biological mother, um, there were some boundaries that needed to be set in order for her to get to the place that she is now. Uh, so uh, it's, it's difficult, it's hurtful, it's hard to navigate through, but I think it's doable. You know, it makes me think that uh, all of us come from different experiences and backgrounds and cultures uh, that others don't have. Um, one of the things I think all of us probably struggle with, subconsciously or consciously, is the fact that we honestly don't understand somebody else's troubles. So to hear that there's a there's a family who took the, in this uh, young mom and her son and then uh, has themselves learned from the experience says an awful lot about how we all need to grow in these areas, one way or the other. And, oh, by the way, we should never say to people, well, if you would just, or what about... Or if you would only, you know, those kinds of things really are very inhibiting because you really don't understand the cultural context that folks are coming from, especially if it's poverty and especially if your own flesh and blood is against you. Right. There's some systemic issues there, too, that many people in a middle to upper class society don't necessarily understand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you say to me, I have a job for your client and it's at McDonald's, I need you to to really think about the context of this. Is she going to get enough hours? Is she going to get um, the right the right hours so that she can actually take care of her children? Mm-hmm. Um, is this really going to be sustainable? Um, and if she is getting some kind of benefit uh, from the government, um, 
is the amount that she's earning enough to take over that benefit? And so I think we have to really start to understand what people in the cycle of poverty are going through before we can make such judgments or statements about what they should or should not do. That's right. The issue of systemic is an important word here. And for those who have not been around this program or maybe have forgotten the kinds of things we've talked about in the past, when we say the word systemic, we're talking about something that um, literally is woven into the fabric of people's lives and that they really uh, had – it's of no fault of their own. This is something they were born with in one way or the other. Uh, the famous line that you can choose your friends but not your family comes immediately to mind. Uh, those kinds of things that uh, we cannot overcome by ourselves because we literally were born into them is part of this systemic kind of background. Right. Yeah. So when we think about this and we think about uh, the kinds of folks that you're helping and you continue to make this kind of uh, movement into the, into the Indianapolis community, what do you see as the future of Chosen Ministries? If you were going to say to us as a listening audience, um, you know, we have this plan, 5, 10, 20 years, whatever it might be, can you give us a snapshot of what that might look like? Right now we're trying to be even more financially stable so that we can take on more clients and not have a waiting list. Um, but if we, when we do get the funding to bring more clients on, we will certainly grow. Um, we also have plans to maybe go beyond Indianapolis to other cities. Uh, our model is a little bit unique in that we do utilize technology quite a bit so our clients can access our content from wherever they are. So they could be three states away and still access the content and do very well. Um, so that that's one of the things that, that we're thinking about. We're also going to be growing the social enterprise and help more small businesses and more corporate professionals and drive revenue into um, the ministry. The one thing that I didn't mention with the social enterprise is it's also designed to provide internships to our clients. Um, so what we're doing there is we're bridging the gap between credentialing through maybe a vocational scholarship or program and actual work experience so that they are more likely to get hired um, mm. by an Indianapolis company. Mm. Um, so those, those two things, growing the clients, growing the social enterprise, and providing internships for more clients um, are the future. And that concept that you brought up earlier, too, about the employer. Uh, the employer partners. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Everybody goes in a different path. So some, some clients come to us and say, hey, I know I want to be a dental assistant. Some people want to go into insurance, and some people want just general office type work. So depending on the avenue that they go is um, is what we need. We need more dentist office to say, yeah, we would like to give some internships um, to some of your clients. Um, we need more uh, offices to say, yeah, we're, we're looking for some administrative assistance or some entry-level customer service um, uh, people to fill these positions. And that, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, with the social enterprise, we are focused on very general administrative tasks that they can learn so it's not specific like dental assisting is so we we do need more and more partners Mm. it reminds me uh, to say this again that beyond the physical tangible uh, objective uh, skills and and discussions we've just been having about uh, what you can anticipate for the future of chosen ministries i'm also thinking about something we talked about earlier and that is relational sustainability with the church yeah. And the necessity of how it is that not just individual Christians, but that church as, uh, local church as, understand uh, your ministry, understand what it is that you do, and perhaps instead of making statements, ask more questions. Absolutely. 
Yeah. We're certainly going to be promoting uh, Chosen Ministries here at Warp and Woof Radio. Uh, we will continue to do that. But as we kind of finalize our program here today, what are some last words you'd like to leave everybody with? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me and um, just learning more about the organization. If you're interested in learning more um, and you say you find yourself saying, hey, I, I think I'm chosen, I am chosen, um, you can visit us on our website at IamChosen.org and learn more. Um, and we would love to talk to you about how you might uh, engage with us, whether it's being a mentor or whether it's um, helping us with events or um, helping with financial literacy, any of those things, we would love to to have a further conversation um, furthermore, if, if there's somebody in your life that needs Chosen Ministries, we would love to serve them. Mm. This has been a fantastic program uh, today. We've been emphasizing uh, Chosen Ministries, I Am Chosen, and uh, make sure to check that out on the uh, web, but also uh, make sure to come back to us on the podcast. That'll be up later on today. Uh, you have been listening to Warp and Woof Radio, and uh, this month, the month of November, we are giving thanks and uh, we want to emphasize again our gratitude for all of those who support us in this work and all those who support any nonprofits in their work. Grateful again to Collaborate 317 and for the space that we have here, this marvelous opportunity to be here uh, in these offices. Uh, we're grateful to Bruce and to Luke and to Josh and to Harrison and to all who have brought us around. And of course, uh, to my producer, my friend, my brother, HB, grateful for you, my brother. We're looking forward to next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. So until next week, you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and you hear us on radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We will be back next week. See you then. <laughs>